Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you live coverage of the girls and boys NSAA high school soccer championships from Morrison Stadium at Creighton University. Monday, May 13th, see Class B girls at 8.30 p.m. Central and Class A girls at 8 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. To hurt at sports radio. I mean, it, it was fun to watch him play. You know, again, I, I, I said that um, you don't realize how much of a ball player he is and how twitchy and all that stuff he is. He he was fun to watch. You know, and and now it's just about him getting back his legs back and all that stuff and his air back and his game speed back. But it allows you to move guys around. I mean, in the in the one package we we put. We actually put Gift down at linebacker and move Keese back, and so he was in the secondary. So it, it gives you a lot of uh, it gives you a lot of uh, versatility back there, and a lot of different combinations. And Coop's doing a really, really nice job of, of mixing around the pieces and stuff. And when you have that kind of versatility, then it allows you to explore different coverages and see what you can do. Kicking off hour number two here on Herd at Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me. We're on AM 590 ESPN Omaha and ESPN Tri-Cities. We now welcome in on the Warhorse Sportsbook hotline our friend from The Athletic, Mitch Sherman. Mitch, how are you this morning? I'm well. What's going on? How are you guys? Good, good. Good to see you, Mitch. Good to see you, too. You know, we're just bouncing around from all sorts of stuff, uh, from best sequel of all time to uh, <laughs> college football playoff. Uh, do, you have a, do you have a candidate for best sequel of all time, Mitch? Yeah, I was listening to you guys as I was taking my son to school. So um, I really like Superman 2. Um, oh, okay. Stuff that, that you, you know, with the, with the evil villains that came from Krypton, I um, thought that was uh, an upgrade over Superman <laughs> 1, which is rare to find, find uh, a better version of the movie in, in the second. But uh, I'm with you, uh, Robbie, on the Star Wars series. Empire Strikes Back was a great sequel, and, you know, there were many other very good sequels uh, in, or, what you know, if they're, whether they're sequels or, I don't know. They're all sequels. Out there. <laughs> right. Uh, there were a lot of good ones there. I, I'm. Um, I think I'm actually partial to Rocky Four of all of all the Rockies. It's it's like so wildly unrealistic and entertaining that <laughs> I j- I've in plus if, if that had been the first one, I, I don't. I wouldn't have liked it. But you're so bought in on the characters by that mm-hmm, point yep. that. You're just just give me the craziest storyline you can get. It's basically the same movie as Rocky Three. Just they just took everything up a notch. Like <laughs> Clubber Lang becomes Ivan Drago. Everything you know instead of instead of Mick dying is like it's all it's and it's all just a little bit more wild. And I'm I'm uh, I'm there for it with Rocky Four. Well, and it, it single-handedly ended the Cold War. So I mean, how can you go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> um, Mitch, you know, down the wall. That's what 
<laughs> we were, uh, you know, I'm, I'm following you uh, on Twitter and, and looking at the stuff that you're, you're writing. If I had told you at the start of the year that you'd be writing a, a full-length feature on Elliot Brown, um, I guess what what would have gone Love through it. your mind? Like, been happy. how would you have been like, <laughs> what happened here today? <laughs> like, how did I mean, that how did that story come to be? I would have wondered for sure if I was writing about him because he was playing, and if that was the case, it would have been somewhat eyebrow raising even with all the injuries that nebraska's had at wide receiver um you know elliot brown hasn't been somebody who's been on the field but he's made an impact Mm -hmm. and it came about because after the purdue game matt rule was asked about marcus satterfield going upstairs to the press box to call plays from that vantage point and he said we've got elliot brown on the sidelines and he's the cheat code um and my my ears perked up when I heard that because it just sounded interesting. And Rule has a tendency to do that where he drops these things in. Like on Monday when he just dropped in in the middle of an answer about Minnesota and, and Michigan State that one of the teams they played scouted scouted them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, yeah, we know that. But like most coaches haven't just brought it up on their own. And and he did. So that was worthy of a follow-up. And, and the same thing with this Elliot Brown stuff. It's, it's like, okay, you know, what do you mean? He's a cheat code. So I asked about it and then, um, was able to talk to Elliot for an extended period of time. And, and I know his dad, Lance, um, you know, well know him, like I covered him We're same age. And, (laughs) um, so I was in school with, with Lance and, and was a student writing about him on, on those great nineties teams. And Lance was, was a character. I mean, like one of the most colorful, like flamboyant, players who who played at Nebraska and Elliot's got that personality but it manifests in such a different way and I was aware of his his social media following like he's a TikTok star or was you know he's put that aside but he was this TikTok star and and a YouTuber and you know has hundreds of thousands of followers I mean people knew about him for things that went way beyond football when he got to the program in 2020 and 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 Elliot you know as Elliot is was open to talking about whatever and um, you know, he said that that did not sit well with the guys when he walked into the locker room. But once they figured out who he was, he just kind of put his head down. And once they figured out who he was, he won them over. And, you know, that's gone to the next year where because McGuire, Garrett McGuire and Marcus Satterfield are upstairs, Elliot Brown has taken on the role of coaching the wide receivers on the field. And sometimes Garrett will say, um, hey, give Malachi or Jalen or Jaden Doss or um, Alex Bullock, give those, give one of those guys the headset and he'll speak directly to them. But most of the time it's Elliot as the mouthpiece, as the voice for Garrett McGuire, who's upstairs diagnosing defenses and he's getting things lined up and he's signaling in plays. I mean, he's sacrificed whatever opportunity he had to play, you know, as a backup to put on this headset and be a coach. And, you know, Satterfield said, he's like Pete Rose, he's a player coach. And, you know, maybe not the greatest analogy with Pete Rose. <laughs> I mean, hey, he was a really good player. He's, he was a player and coach. And at uh, least he's not, not playing for Iowa the, with that analogy. He doesn't have all the qualities of Pete Rose, but just some. And, and you know, and the crazy thing is, and then Elliot, right after this, this happens, or a few weeks after it happens, and he takes on this new role, he tore his ACL in practice last week. So he found something for himself that may end up being his future, and then he got hurt. They still put him on the travel roster last week to Michigan State, one of those coveted 74 spots. He went and took one of those spots three days after he tore his ACL. And then he went into Garrett McGuire on Sunday in back in Lincoln and said, hey, should I delay this surgery so I can be on the sideline for the last three games? And Nebraska coaches said, absolutely not. Take care of yourself. 
you need to get this surgery so you can start rehabbing. He has two years of eligibility left, and you know we'll see how he uses him. Maybe he'll um, come out and and fight for a spot uh, in the receiver rotation, or you know maybe he'll keep that headset and 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 go into coaching, or you know we'll see. But really interesting, um, really interesting player, really interesting um, person on this Nebraska roster for for all kinds of reasons that have that have not that much to do with what he's done on the field. Mitch, as you as I was reading your article or, or your story about Elliot, I, I couldn't help but make a correlation. Tell me if it's a stretch here or if I'm I'm kind of on the right track. Of a lot of the things we heard about Garrett McGuire when he was hired by Matt Rule sounded really similar in my mind to what we were hearing Garrett McGuire talk about Elliot Brown. Did, did you make that connection as well or am I stretching a little bit there? Yeah, they they really hit it off and they they talked for the first time on the phone last year um you know garrett hit the ground running at nebraska and he just got hired off that carolina panther staff as a 23 year old wide receivers coach and you know he started talking to nebraska players on the phone before he set foot in lincoln and elliot's one of the guys that he talked to and you know elliot said i had no preconceived notion you know people people gave him that benefit of the doubt and didn't didn't have preconceived notions about him when he came to nebraska with this reputation as a, as a, as an influencer instead of a football player. So, you know, he pays that forward and didn't have, um, didn't have that kind of, you know, didn't took that approach with McGuire, who's 23 years old and people have questions about him. Um, what kind of assistant coach is he going to be? Is he ready to come into the big 10 and be a full-time assistant? And, you know, that allowed the, their relationship to start on a great note. And when they got together in person and Nebraska coaches started to see the, the work ethic that Elliot showed through the off season. I mean, his dad says that the, the workouts in the winter and like the mat drills and spring practice, you know, that stuff, Elliot, Elliot loves that more than he does the, the game day environment. And, you know, in part because he's, he's not playing mm-hmm. um, meaningful reps on Saturdays. He's played in two games this year, played in a couple games or one game maybe in, in 2021, but he favors the whole experience. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's what Garrett McGuire was like at Baylor as a backup quarterback for Matt Rule, uh, and you know the, his dad, of course, Joey uh, Garrett's dad, Joey was was on that staff and is now the head coach at Texas Tech. And you know Garrett's just you know just see with the Nebraska offense this year. I mean, he is on the fast track in coaching, and it's it takes one with Garrett McGuire to understand who you're talking to and what kind of a future he has in this business. It remains to be seen if that's even the route that Elliot Brown chooses to take. He might go into business like his dad, but coaching is there for him as a possibility now when he didn't really look at it that way until he until he connected with Garrett McGuire and started to learn, you know, about Garrett and, and how Garrett went about his business and and these coaches at Nebraska have really opened up um, a new side, not just in Elliot Brown, but I think in a lot of players on this roster, for them to be able to understand things about themselves and how maybe they can help their team or or, or help whatever the people are, who who are around them in their lives more than they recognized before these guys uh, took over in Lincoln. Mitch, I want to get your thoughts on one other thing before we get into uh, the matchup this week and some other things surrounding the program. We were talking this morning about Michigan, mm-hmm. and so we'll do a little Mitch on Michigan, maybe Michigan. Can I make that? Yes. Can I make that there uh, make connection there? Like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Talk about Michigan. I talk about Michigan every day. So, <laughs> yeah. so Mitch, I, I'm curious. I, I want to know your thoughts on Michigan's response to the Big Ten on the scandal and if you think it's just a ploy to prolong punishment so that it doesn't have effect on the outcome of this season. Yeah, it's like, look over. Hey, guys, look over here. Look over here. 
over here. They, they don't look at what we're doing. <laughs> Rutgers and Ohio State and Purdue, you know, they they're they're trading stories about about our. It's a that's a different that's a different crime. Um, and and is it a crime? Make a right anyway. <laughs> So it's not like just because other programs, you know, nobody's Rutgers wasn't sending Ohio State wasn't sending coaches or staffers into the seats at other games. So, you know, I hear the argument that it's still advanced scouting, but those people were who were doing this advanced scouting for, um, you know, against Michigan, um, they were they were supposed to be at those games. You know, they were there with a job to do. And just because they then go and talk with each other about what Michigan does, I mean, that. That's not really something that's that's easy. None of this is easy to police, but that's that's way down deep in the gray area. No, and, and that never would have come out. Michigan's never going to bring that up. You know, other teams could bring that up too. I'm sure Nebraska, in its day as a feared program, had plenty of of opponents in the Big Eight and the Big Twelve who talked about the Huskers behind their back. You know, whether it was about signals or ten, whatever it might be. These coaches are all friends. I mean, I've been to the to the conventions that they go to in the off season and they stand there for hours and talk with each other in the hallway. Well, what do you think they're talking about? I mean, how do you beat Michigan? How do you, how do you know, Michigan's at the top. How, how do you get over on them? And if it, if that's about, um, look, when they do this, you know, you can expect a, a run play or, or you can expect a whatever that those conversations have nothing to do with Michigan's scheme that it concocted this elaborate, um, scandal that we're, right. that they're they're deep into to to uh steal video and match it up with with um game film i mean that's it's what that what what they are accused of doing you know is way beyond the gray area it's 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 a huge it's a big time violation of um you know the sportsmanship clause that exists for the big 10 and then in, in addition rules that govern college football at the NCAA level. So they can continue to try to get people to look in a different direction. And I think that's what they're doing this week. But in the end, I don't know that it's going to make much of a difference in what the Big Ten decides and ultimately what the NCAA decides. But, you know, clearly I think the um, the concern on the part of everyone who's not wearing the maize and blue is that Jim Harbaugh is going to be long gone um, when Michigan gets served with its, with its punishment and they're going to have gotten away with whatever they get away with this season in 2023, however far they go, um, without him having to pay the price. And, and obviously others in the Big Ten and around the country aren't, aren't, uh, aren't too happy about that. We're talking with Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Uh, Mitch, as we kind of turn our attention to Nebraska and their upcoming game against Maryland, Obviously, the quarterback position is going to be uh, one of the most highly watched of the week, as it always is. Uh, I thought Coach Rule said something really interesting uh, in his, I can't remember if it was his postgame presser or if it was his Monday presser, but um, he talked about how not everybody wants to be in the positions that Heinrich Harburg wants to be in. Did did you take that as, you know, because... <laughs> I guess, how did you take that? Well, let's start there. How did you take that comment from Rule? Because I thought it was really interesting that he singled out the fact that Harburg kind of craves that pressure. It was hard for my mind not to go right to the other guys at that spot yep. and for me to wonder if that's truly the separator for Heinrich Harburg and just that he's 
uh, he's a better teammate. Um, he's, and I think Jeff Sims is a good teammate. Um, don't get me wrong. He has been there and has been supportive. And I've heard not one word this season about him, you know, being a problem in the locker room or on the sidelines since he was benched. Um, you know, he was injured for sure at first in the Colorado game, but he's he's healthy now and is on the bench. So um, he's handled it about as well as you could from that standpoint. But Harburg has done other things to make him a good teammate beyond just not being a problem. I mean, none, none of these guys are problems. They have good they have good guys at the QB spot. Um, but I think what Rule sees with Harburg is that he's got a competitive fire that, and, and this is my interpretation of that answer, that they're not seeing from everybody else at, at that position. He's the one who truly wants to be out there. I think in, in the mind of these coaches, they, they have questions about how badly the other guys want to do it and what would happen if you put them into a game and a bad situation comes up, they wonder about how the other options at QB would respond. They, what they know with Harburg is that he's going to get back up and he's going to go back in that game and he's going to clear his mind and he's going to try as hard as he can to do everything for the team. And that, is a, that, that does take a unique player. I mean, we've seen it over many years at Nebraska that players are asked to perform in difficult situations, hard circumstances, when seasons are, you know, when you're playing out the string, when it's not going the way you want. And there have been plenty of guys who have lost some of their edge in that moment. They see the opposite with Harper. They see somebody who, who wants it as, as badly as, as, you know, the guy who wants it the most on the roster. And that's a great attribute to have in your starting quarterback and it makes it really difficult to go away from him when you have questions I think about what the other options at the position can bring you nobody else has proven they can do it so it's not like you've got an alternative to some of these struggles that Nebraska's had where it's just sitting out there and you say well if we put this guy in you know we know what we're going to get you don't know what you're going to get from the others so Mitch are you are you someone just based off that answer and and, and maybe you know we can just uh, assume that your response would be it's not very it's not very long or, or it is very long I should say uh, but in terms of talking about the leash on Heinrich Harburg if mistakes and inconsistency keeps up are you somebody that thinks that his leash is actually pretty long and it's not very short I think it's pretty long um, you know it's not it's not uh, never ending um, there could be a moment where they just feel like they've got to go with a different look. Not to say that you're benching him forever, but maybe um, a situation arises where the turnovers get even worse, um, You know, where you just feel like there's no rhythm or flow with the offense. Maybe Chubba Purdy um, shows something in practice that you haven't seen in a couple months of the season. And I know they say that he's been good and they like what he does and he's a great athlete, but... I think they're looking for something out. They're looking for something more. Um, before, they, they haven't put him in. So that's the that's a fact that we know. He hasn't been in a game. So what needs to happen in order for him to get in the game? I don't think it's just the quarterback who's out there has to play worse. It's he's got to show them something else that he that they're not seeing from him. So we don't know if maybe that moment happened this week in practice. And if it did, and then you see some struggles 
from Harburg, okay, maybe there's a spot where you put Purdy in there. But I, I you know, I, I'm going into these last three games expecting that as long as Harburg is healthy and, you know, short of just a complete disaster on the offensive side, he's going to be the guy. And I know there's people probably listening to me right now saying, what do you think last Saturday was? <laughs> well, it wasn't a complete disaster. I mean, it was 20-17 to 17 with five or six minutes left in that game, and he had just led them on a drive when it looked like Nebraska was down and out, down two scores in the fourth quarter. He, you know, He's the one who had the 40-plus yard run that put them down at the goal line. And, yeah, he made mistakes throughout the and the interceptions that he threw and some of the passes that he threw that didn't go down as interceptions were just, you know, really, really difficult to um, to understand and, and I think to, to swallow as a Nebraska coach or a Nebraska fan. But they had an opportunity to win at the end. And that's what Matt Rule wants. He wants these games to go into the fourth quarter. And he thinks, he believes that he's building a program and putting together a team with the kind of resolve that they're going to win those games in the fourth quarter. We haven't seen it um, with great consistency yet. Although, you know, at Illinois, they did that. At Against Purdue, you know, they staved off a, a late charge by the Boilermakers. So, there's, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I think they felt pretty decent about Nebraska's opportunity to pull another one of those things out on Saturday in East Lansing, despite how ugly it looked. Mitch, just a couple minutes left here. Um, how do you balance, if you're Marcus Satterfield, the things that he sees on tape and in games where he's like, hey, these plays will work, and then we see receivers getting open and, and the, the concept of the play working versus – the struggles of Heinrich Harburg to execute that as as you kind of like you put yourself in his shoes as you continue to call plays how do you how do you balance that because it's really frustrating to just see incomplete pass after incomplete pass but if the guys are open I mean do you still keep calling those plays I, you have to I mean you can't just give up on the pass game um, I mean you have to go with what you know and and really with as much time as as Heinrich has now had in the system as the quarterback you're talking about seven games do you have enough on tape from games that I think you have to use that and put more faith and, and value in what he's done in games than you do with what you see in practice? Um, but physically, it's important to know what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. And if you're not seeing it in games or in practices, then I think you have to take that out of your arsenal as a play caller. If you know he can do it, you think you, you know you believe in him, you believe he can do it, you're working on him with uh, – you know, the, um, the cerebral aspect of it. They talked this week, Satterfield did, about Harburg clearing his mind and playing free. And, you know, he's working with, um, you know, their sports psychology people to try to get himself in a place on the field on Saturday, you know, where he's able to maximize his abilities. I, mean, I think it's a good sign that, like, that Harburg is open to that stuff, that he's not just – you know that that, that 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 he's actually willing to to work with them to to try to best in himself it's a balance for sure that Satterfield faces in in like looking at the results on the on the field on Saturday and understanding what you know he can do based on practice but um, I think you still have to kind of, you still have to take risks you still have to try to push the envelope if it leads to mistakes you know you can live with it if it's a mistake that's made out of aggression you know and and it's similar to what Tony White's dealing with on the defensive side they want to be aggressive they want to take risks and and I think you're going to see um, you're not going to see that change 
over the last three games. If anything, you're going to see Nebraska maybe up the level with which it chooses to take some risks and, and because it knows that's what gives it the best shot to win. Mitch, quickly here, 30 seconds. Both teams are 5-4, and four, both desperately need a win to be bowl eligible for it to be nebraska they need to do what better than maryland on saturday okay good i'm glad you didn't ask me for a prediction because i don't have one <laughs> <laughs> um, they have to they have to limit the turnovers and play well on special teams and i'm going to write about that for friday i mean that, those are the two things where they really fell back against michigan state um in comparison to the previous three games that they won um got to do better on punt returns and in all aspects of special teams this week and you can't lose the turnover margin three to nothing. Like if you got to be even or, or, or better mm. than Maryland in this. I'll be That's looking forward Mitch to Sherman that story. From the Athletic, Mitch, we appreciate your time as always. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, Mitch.